0: right, if you write your Bible with you today, go ahead and get it out, get your Bible apps open and go to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 29, Deuteronomy 29, that's the fifth book in the Bible, sorry I had to do my counting there for a moment, Uh, the fifth book in the Bible, start from the left, unless you live on another part of the planet, I guess you'll start on the right. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 29. I want to uh, share with you today the second part of a new series entitled, Why? And uh, I want to, uh, of course, say this going in. Uh, this is the second part. All right? I said that, but, you know, that means something. Uh, there is a first part, and the second part connects to the first part. And so... Uh, If you want to get the most out of this and get the greatest understanding of what I'm saying today, you will have needed to hear part one. Nevertheless, you can do some things out of order. It's not ideal, but I don't know where you were last week. So (laughs) So I didn't even know this place existed last week. Well, I understand. And, And when you're done today, go on the website and listen to part one. Say, you mean listen to two messages on one Sunday? I've never heard of such a thing. Well, (laughs) the longer you're around here, that will seem quite normal. It will seem like smart. Yeah? All right, let's go ahead. Uh, In this series, you know, uh, you must be open to new ways of thinking. uh, Especially if if you've been taught in church. I will for sure challenge some of your thoughts, your thinking patterns and your your belief systems and if you're not open to that at all you're going to be mad at me when we're done because I'm going to kill some cows. You understand what I mean? I'm talking sacred ones. You know like in certain parts of the world where they think the cow is their grandmother? That one. All right, Uh, And that has to do with ideas and ways of thinking, and I'll challenge them with the Word. If I don't give you word for it, don't accept it, all right? But if we give you word for it, then let's run with it. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, reads, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those which, those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children uh, forever, that we may do all the words of this law. And so uh, basically we can see here there are two categories of knowledge, that which God says is secret and belongs to Him, and that which is revealed and belongs to us. I may not be able to get God to convince Him to reveal to me all of His knowledge in all things, in every situation, in, in some of that I guess he has his prerogative of saying, you know, I'm not going to tell you that right now. Uh, uh, But there are things that are revealed, and that's what we need to go after. All right? It would be right. It would be proper. It would be honorable for you to seek after knowledge that has been revealed. Because in reality, the level of, of, of knowledge that most people operate in... I'm talking spiritual knowledge now. I'm not talking knowledge of how to build an engine or something like that. Uh, it's just a fraction of what's been revealed. And so we want to inquire, to seek after. Before we can come to know the answers, we must believe that those answers exist. All right? There are answers, there are reasons why things happen, why they don't happen. It's not just going to remain in oblivion and you can never comprehend it or get it or understand. You'll never know why. Forget that. If that's our belief system, what are we seeking after? How can we even ask a question if we don't believe there is an answer to the question? And so uh, this revelation, this understanding does exist. Uh, Let me back up for a moment though. This is not the same as saying everything happens for a reason. All right? That's not my message to you. Uh, Say, why? Doesn't everything happen for a reason? No. See, that kind of statement implies divine design. It kind of leaves the implication that everything happens because God wanted it to happen. Because he ordained it, it's part of his plan, and that might sound nice in theory, but when you get down to the brass tacks of what that really says, you're you're saying God had a design behind that murder and that rape and that disease, and God had a design behind this person, you know, suffering all their days, and that child being born uh, infirmed, and 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 this parent dying at twenty years old, and. You know what I'm talking about? There's a whole bunch of craziness in there that if you're going to say, what well, it all happened for a reason and God's behind it, you're really ready to attribute all that to Him. See, I'm not ready to uh, implicate my good, good, loving Father who gave His very Son so I could be saved in all the tragedies and destructions of life. I'm not. I don't believe it. I don't believe it for a second. And uh, I know it's a popular... Man, I'm going to get off track here. <laughs> I only got limited time. I got to be focused here. But it's a, it, it's a popular notion to, to, to just slap a God is in control on every situation and circumstance that happens in life. And that's such a horrible doctrine. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to believe that. It is a hindrance to our, our, our stance, to our, our being bold and aggressive and using our faith. And I could literally just ramble about that. I mean, ramble in a good, positive uh, way. But uh, for a long, long time, because there are so many scriptures we could talk about. uh, Let's take it step by step. Um, uh, Amen. (laughs) Now, where was I? Uh, Sometimes you see it manifest in statements even like this. Now, hold on. I might, might bug people by this, but just... I'm doing it out of love, so you got to give me the benefit of the doubt. You know, we thought, uh, here, young parents, we thought we were done having kids. But I guess God had another plan. Well, why do you automatically go, people automatically go to God when it comes to that? I have a feeling <laughs> <laughs> that if you didn't do certain things, that kid would not have come. right? Yeah? It just does work that way. Say, what are you saying? The amount of kids we have is up to us? Totally. I'm not saying as a Christian you can't and shouldn't pray and seek God's will and, and all that kind of stuff. Yes. But to assume it's just, well, whatever he decided... We had six kids because God wanted us to. Or we had zero because God didn't want us. Are you sure about that? you sure that was all him directing everything? Food for thought. (laughs) So revelation knowledge belongs to us. According to this verse, we should contend for it. We should seek it. And uh, uh, we also have to remove. If we're going to get to the answer, if we're going to get to be able to start understanding the why question... We have to remove the possibility that we had nothing to do with a bad outcome. I know that doesn't sound real positive, but we have to entertain the notion that I may have contributed to something not going right and that it really wasn't God forcing it or making it happen. I can't adopt the belief system that says, says everything, that, everything bad has ever happened to me has come to me from God, filtered through His hand of love. Well, what about the time when he told you to go right and you went left? Did he do that? I can't say that I've always done the perfect will of God, that I've always obeyed perfectly, loved perfectly, forgiven everyone I write on when I ought to. I can't say that I've always done it right, so therefore I can't conclude that his perfect plan has always been there operational in my life. Hallelujah. So in this in this series going forward, I'm going to be sharing many different whys different answers because there's not a pat answer that covers all situations different whys and it would be up to you then if you're if you have certain questions is to plug your circumstance situation whatever happened into these equations and say okay is that the reason is that the the rules that governed that event in my life Um, and then we can come to some knowledge praise god Now, I mentioned to you this verse last week. I'll I'll, I'll mention it again. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6 reads, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge brings destruction. The, The next part of that verse says, Because you have rejected knowledge. So it is true that an absence of knowledge allows the enemy to destroy, it is also true in some situations, I wouldn't say 100%, but that next phrase then also contributes. Sometimes we have the opportunity to know something, but we reject it. Okay. I've never heard it that way. That doesn't sound right. I've never been taught this way before. Okay. Watch out for rejecting knowledge because destruction rides on its heels. All right, we want to judge all things, hold fast to that which is good. But again, my people are destroyed, the Lord speaking, for lack of knowledge, for lack. Not because uh, because of it or because of my will, but because they lack information. That's a strong thought, but consider it. Uh, Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Peter. It's a big right turn, opposite side of the the Bible. Uh, 2 Peter. Uh, chapter 1. If you find 1 Peter, you're in the neighborhood. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Let's read here. It, it, It reads, grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, how many think grace and peace being multiplied would be a good thing? More grace, which is God's divine favor and ability. More grace and what? More peace. Notice how it comes. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus uh, our Lord. If I want more grace and more peace, I need to learn. I need to come into a greater understanding, revelation, knowledge of who God is. Of who the Lord Jesus is. Verse 3, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Look, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So everything that pertains to life and godliness comes through the knowledge of Him. Right? And so... Uh, If I don't know him, or I could say I don't know him enough, I don't know him in certain ways, then I could lack something in my life. There could be something I need. It pertains to my life, but I'm not going to get it without knowing him. So uh, this answers some questions right off the bat. I mean, in a general sense... Why did this happen? I don't know. What do you know? Tell me about your Lord. Tell me about the Father. Tell me about His character, what He does. Tell me about His love. Maybe tell me about the covenant He made with you. Tell me about... Why don't you just rattle off several of His promises that pertain to your life in this circumstance that didn't go well? Uh, Well, I don't know that. Okay, well, we might be getting somewhere then. Because the scripture says everything that pertains to my life is given to me through my knowledge of him. This is one reason why it's a very good idea to seek after God. To seek after him, to know him, to know his word, to know his ways, to have, have teaching like this. Because the end result is what pertains to my life gets utilized. And if I don't know about it, it could really cost me. All right. That doesn't mean someone's a bad person if they don't know something. They're not saying, you're bad. That's why this happened. You are a rascal. You're a good for nothing. No. It just means you lack information. Lacking information when it comes to spiritual life is a really big deal. He, says, he goes on to say in verse 4, uh, By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these... You may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So how do I partake of God's divine nature? Through the precious promises. All right. They're they're promises and they're precious. They're wonderful. What if I don't know about them? Then you can't partake of the divine nature. You don't get what he's offering without knowing about what he said, without knowing about his promises. So it would be somewhat foolish for me to blame God for something that He promised that I just haven't taken the time to find out about. Or I, and I get this. Sometimes the people we've listened to didn't know. We're seeking after God, but we're all doing this in a process. And sometimes we're listening to someone and they don't know the promises. They don't know God very well themselves. I, I, I tell you, I would not want to being a part of a church, be a part or sit under the influence of someone who didn't have a good relationship with God. I don't care how many degrees they had behind their name, how many qualifications they had, if they didn't know him personally and ever increasingly. And if they didn't if they didn't have this relationship working in their own life. I wouldn't want to listen to that. Why? It's not going to help me. Everybody okay today? I think spiritual knowledge is too underrated. We seek knowledge in regards to careers and and different things in life because we know at the end of this study, course, degree, whatever, training, I'll have a job that will pay me money, and so I'm going to pour myself into it until learning it. Or it might be something of a hobby nature, but we're just interested, and so we'll put the effort into it. We'll learn about a particular thing because we're interested in that. Here's the deal. Most of most of that stuff though valuable does not is not going to save us from the accident, from the disease, from the curse, from a lot of these bad things that happen in life. We need spiritual knowledge. And really it is a life and death situation. I need to know things. I need to have spiritual understanding. So here's something. Now I'm going to say this and again If you need to wrestle with it in your mind, go ahead. Go ahead. This is not, you know, uh, check your brain at the door, church. You're allowed to think about these things, analyze them. But, But I want you to consider some statements, okay? I don't have a sickness problem. I have a knowledge problem. I don't have a money problem. I have a knowledge problem. I don't have a relationship problem. I have a knowledge problem. I need to learn something. I need to know more about this. I need to have an understanding here. Because when I get the information, I I will not be destroyed. I'm not just talking natural knowledge though either. I'm talking about revelation from God. That I seek Him and He reveals to me His character, His nature, His power, His love. All that He is. And it comes into me and I say, Oh, I see that. I've got that. That changes the direction of my life. Without that there's not really much of a substitute for it. Well, I went to church. I know, but did you get anything? Well, I gave in the offering. Well, fine, but what did you believe when you gave? You don't understand what I'm I'm saying? Uh, It's just, I think sometimes we view this in too much of a, I did my duty approach, as opposed to practical, I got something. I know Him personally. I had an experience with God Almighty. I know His voice now. He said it in His Word and I prayed it and it happened. I like to measure stuff, even spiritual things, on results. If I'm going to church for 10 years or 20 years and and my life is a mess, I'm asking questions. I'm saying, am I not doing anything with what I'm hearing? Or is what I'm hearing not really that potent? Is it not really that good? And I know that, I know religion doesn't like to say that kind of stuff because you could totally lose someone's money if you say something like that. (laughs) Lose control of people. (laughs) What? Measure it by results? That's a thought. Jesus said, "By your fruit, you know. You'll know them by their fruit. Not just by what they say they are, not by the sign, not by, no, by what the results are. Hallelujah. <laughs> you think about knowledge. So what about like, you say, I'm struggling with that a little bit. What about like an accident? Well, if you, if you knew there was going to be another car coming through at that intersection at that time, that would have saved you. If you do, I mean, you didn't know, that's why you intersected them. You can see how knowledge, if you you could know something, you could avoid a lot of problems. All right. Why? You ready for some, some, some why? Now, this might sound theoretical, but stay with me, because it's much more powerful than it might seem on the surface. People don't know who they are and what they have, and what they can do in Christ. This, there's a great. Absence of knowledge. Amongst Christians. Amongst believers. Who they are. What they have. And what they can do. In Christ. If a. If a police officer. Did not know. The power of their badge. Of their gun. Of. Of. The radio that calls for backup. How many know if they didn't know what that could do, they would not be able to get the crook. They would not be able to stop many crimes from happening or deal with a bad situation. But if they know, this badge gives me the right to do it. This gun gives me the power to do it. This radio gives me all of the, the entire police, police force that will show up to back me up. In other words, what, if they don't know what they have, who they are, and what they can do, they won't do anything. Evil will run rampant. But if they know what they have, then it changes their behavior. They deal with life and circumstances and attacks in a different way. But many times people can sit in church for years and never come to this knowledge. You see, any attack against a child of God is done so illegally. When, when disease attaches itself to a, a Christian, it's an illegal, illegal attack. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. I mean, it's illegal to rob the bank. Doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Someone's got to step in there and enforce and say, absolutely not, Mr. Crook. You can't have this bank's money. Someone's got to stand up to the attacks of the enemy in life. You know that most Christians nowadays don't know that they even can do that, let alone that they ought to. But if they don't know, Satan will illegally rip them off all their days. And their life will be far less than what it could be. I want to share, let me share with you. Uh, let me give you five points here. Not points, four, five aspects of how a person is changed when they get saved. If you're a believer, this is yours right now. If you're not a believer yet, if you're not saved, if you're not a Christian. Then uh, this is something you have you have to look forward to. All right. Because listen, a lot of times when people don't know the Lord and they come and they say, "Well, I accepted the Lord." I gave my life to Jesus, um, I'm going to heaven now. And their knowledge doesn't grow beyond that too far. They don't know what, they don't know what, what took place when they got born again. They don't know what they were given. They don't know what, what, what was handed to them. And so we were changed. We were changed when we were saved. And I want to give you five ways in which we were changed. When you accepted Jesus, number one, you were changed spiritually. Number one, you were changed spiritually. What do I mean spiritually? I mean Second Corinthians chapter five and verse seventeen. It reads it reads, if anyone is in I'll check this one. <laughs> if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. In Christ means you're saved. When you get when you get born again, you're now in Christ. You are a new creation. So not just, I'm the same creation, but I'm going to heaven. I'm the same as I was. You know how people will say, oh, we're not any different from anyone else. We're just forgiven. That is a great lack of knowledge right there. Oh, we're just like everyone else in the world, just forgiven. Ah, your knowledge is puny. It is, it is weak. No, this very, the very beginning of this starts with, When I received Jesus, I was made a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a different species now. I'm a different creation altogether. When you got saved, you were made new. Well, these are the problems I used to struggle with. I used to have sexual addiction. I used to be an alcoholic. And I used to be mad as fire at the world and stressed and depressed and and everything else. Well, good news, that guy died. When you got saved, old things passed away. Say, they did? I can't feel any different. These These things are spiritual realities that must be believed. When the spiritual truth is believed, it starts affecting natural outward parts of life. Say it out loud with me. And if you're, if you're a believer, this would be true. So you can say it. Say it out loud. Say, I am a new creation in Christ. The old guy has gone. Now it's all new. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. We could, we could, you know, teach on that for a while. I want to I share an overview here. Number one, spiritually. Secondly, you are changed. We are changed uh, positionally. Positionally. Changed spiritually. Changed positionally. Look, look with me, if you would, at, at the book of Ephesians. It's a left turn there from where you were in Peter. Ephesians. I'm qualified to speak on Ephesians because I've been to Ephesus. (laughs) All right, that doesn't qualify me, (laughs) but I did go. Positionally, Ephesians chapter 2, notice with me verse 4, 2 and verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus and so one of the things that happened uh, I, I understand it Let me do a quick... Holy smokes. Time going so fast on Sunday. Except for third service when I can hardly stand. Uh, uh, When Jesus died on the cross, and then he was gone for a little while, and then he was back, how many know none of those people knew what was going on? Even the disciples who believed and saw him after he was raised from the dead, they had no idea of all that transpired. They had no idea of all the spiritual realities that were changed just like that. It's like, Jesus, where'd you go when you were gone? I'll, I'll treat that another time. Uh, how he went and preached to the spirits in prison and all that stuff. Uh, but he came out. See, Jesus was raised from the dead. It's like, woohoo, Jesus conquered death. But if you only view that from the external, you don't realize the spiritual significance of all that took place behind the scenes. This is why we have books called uh, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All that stuff is like pulling back the curtain and saying, Oh, whoa, look at all this stuff that took place behind the curtain, behind Jesus being raised from the dead. Here is one of them. When you got saved, it's not just I'm forgiven of sins and I'm going to heaven. You got a new seat. So what do you mean a new seat? Well, have you ever seen it like when uh, in the like in the elections, like someone will be voted into office, like uh, to a uh, a senator, a senate position. And then they'll talk about how they are, they are seated. They are seated in that in that position. Well, this is similar. When, when we were raised with Christ, we were given a new seat. A seat with him, with Jesus, in heavenly places. Jesus sitting, 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 sitting at the right hand of the Father. Basically, this is us being able to embark on our new abilities, our new duties. We have the right to do it because we have a new position. I'm not under the problem, looking up at the problem now, saying, oh, big bad devil, big bad world. It's all bigger than me and stronger than me. What can I do? Oh, God, help me. No, I've been given a new seat. And in this new seat, I'm up here with Jesus. Spiritually speaking, all Christians are there. If they don't know they're there, they'll, start, they'll look up at their problems. Instead, we laugh at them. We ought to. What? You thought that would get me? <laughs> it, it goes back to, I wanna, almost want to preach my message from a few weeks ago again. When a, when, when a Christian thinks they have a problem, they're wrong. The problem has a Christian. But it's a mentality, to see, it's a shift in faith to see it that way. I am not defeated. I am victorious in Christ. I have a new seat up here with God Almighty. And therefore, the problems have a me. Hallelujah. And so being saved is a huge deal. We're not just left the same. With the added hope of heaven, we've got a new seat. Number three is we are changed authoritatively. So spiritually, positionally, authoritatively basically it goes like this we outrank sin we outrank death we outrank demons we are in a higher position so i've never heard anything like that in my life and that's one of the reasons why we're defeated because we don't know what we've been given it's the police officer not knowing the power of the badge and we've been given this right if you look just back in the previous chapter verse 20 Ephesians 1.20, talking about God's power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Look, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all say, well, that's Jesus. Jesus is above all. Jesus is above everything. He's the fulfillment of of, of everything. And then the next chapter goes on to say, and you were raised with him. That's the point. People stop there and they say, Jesus, Jesus, you're awesome. And he is. He's wonderful. Jesus, you are the the, the victor. You are a victor. You're you're the savior. You conquered death. And he did. But if we stop there, we are missing out on the very potent knowledge of this reality that if you accept Him, His victory is your victory. His seat is your seat. You have been raised with Him. You sit with Him. And just like Jesus has been given all power and authority, He handed it over to the church to rule and reign in life. You are the boss. Authoritatively. Number four, I'm abbreviating for time's sake. Number four, powerfully, powerfully. We've been changed powerfully. There is a real power that enters the life of the believer. When you receive the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts chapter one and verse eight, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That word power there is the the Greek word uh, dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. It's also translated miracles in different places. Jesus said when the Spirit of God comes upon you, you will receive miracle power. You will receive power. This is effectual, dynamic power in your life. Say, I'm just helpless and weak and... Ah, stop it! You should get saved. And if so, stop thinking of yourself as powerless. Listen, if I have all this power, certainly I would know about it. Okay, let's go back in time a few years. You know, b- before electricity was invented. You're supposed to be thinking with me. You're supposed to be saying, electricity was never invented. It was discovered. Correct? Absolutely. Was it was electricity around a1,000 years ago? It, certainly it was. It existed. People just didn't know about it. They didn't know how to harness it. They didn't know how to channel it. They didn't know how to pump it into the refrigerator. <laughs> they didn't know, how to, you know, how many things do we use electricity for? Like everything. And it's been around, but it's only been around in use and practical uh, bent for practical benefit for a very short period of history. It was still there. What about the power of God? Is it possible it exists far beyond our knowledge of it? even now? Is it possible that the very power that God Himself has invested in His people is far greater, but we have not figured out how to channel it, how to use it, how to activate it, how to flip the switch and turn it on? And this is, this is one of those things. Man, why? Sometimes we didn't know how much power we had. We didn't know what was in us. And our lack of knowing about it kept us from using it to our own demise. Hallelujah. I hope this is uh, getting some thinking going. I know it's in one part. It's like, well, you need to go deeper. I know, I know. Uh, But to know that things exist is of great benefit. Number number five. Number five. I said I'd give you five today. Uh, Spiritually, positionally, authoritatively, powerfully, and rightfully Rightfully. In other words, we have rights. There's lots of talk about privilege today. Certain people have privilege. If you are a child of God, you have privilege. You have a rights. You have rights to access Him, His throne, His grace, His mercy, His promises, His favor. All that He has promised, all that He has poured out. You have a right to it. Why? You're in the family. You're, what do you mean I'm in the family? You're in the will. You're in the family. You have an inheritance. Does that language sound familiar? Uh, Colossians 1.12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to partake of the inheritance of the saints in light. John 1.12, but as, as many as received him, to them he gave the right... To become children of God to those who believe in His name. Here's just the short uh, summary of this. Uh, as a believer, I have rights. I have rights. We know that as citizens, right? I mean, if, if something is done unlawfully to you, you're going to say, absolutely not. I have rights. And I'm going to stand for my rights as a citizen of this, of this country. You have rights as a child of God. Do you know what they are? You know what you're authorized to do? Do you know what, what, what's been given you? Or do we let the enemy and life and the curse and all kinds of junk just have free reign as if we have no rights of citizenship in heaven in heaven? And we just let it just take it. Boom, 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 boom. Well, there's nothing I can do. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a part of His eternal kingdom and family. And because you are, you absolutely have rights to stand up and say no to this and yes to this. And I'm going to access public land, (laughs) whatever, you know. I'm going to take advantage of of the laws of this nation, of this kingdom, where it benefits me. Amen. Everybody okay today? I'm endeavoring to open up parts of the revealed knowledge. These are things that God has made available to everyone. He's made available this knowledge. He's made He's made made it available. We need to look into it. We need to consider it. We need to go back and read these verses and read them again and read them again and read them again and read them slowly and say, Lord, enlighten my mind. Show me who I am and what I have and what I can do. And the knowledge of his will and the knowledge of God working, uh, His, his working in us so far exceeds just I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. And if we'll know about it, I tell you, it will answer a bunch of why questions. Amen. Praise God. Oh, next week's going to even be better. I think I already know where I'm going. We'll continue to, to, to dive into this more. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. We serve you. With all of our hearts, we do. We give all the praise and glory and honor to you. Thank you for working in us, enlightening our minds, giving us insights. Given us, given us wisdom and understanding of who you are and of who we are in you and all that you have given us, all that you have provided. We give you all the glory and praise. We love you, Lord. We serve you. Well, I know that. I know that. I know that. In my heart, I hear, the, hear these words, If you'll seek after me, you will find me. Give it some effort, you guys. Give it some effort. Give it some effort. Put some time into this. Put some energy into it. The Lord, is, the Lord is there, waiting to reveal Himself strong and mighty in your life. Show you things that are wonderful beyond your comprehension, beyond your imagination. And if you'll seek after him, you'll find him in ways you've not you've never known before. He is vast he is mighty and loving and awesome and powerful and he wants to show himself to you father we worship you we adore you we thank you for working in every heart and life today those in confusion I pray that the light would come the light would shine on their life their their heart their mind their pathway so they can walk in the knowledge of you that they need we give you all the glory all the honor all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen.